Because there are two things that I want to share just based off of Friday. We were talking today in our leaders meeting. We meet every other uh, Sunday. And in our leaders meeting, we were asking each other, what was the Lord saying personally? But what was he saying for the house? And obviously, I didn't get a prophetic word uh, personally on Friday night. But here's what two things the Lord spoke to me. Our leaders had no idea that they were going to be prophesied over on Friday night. They were all shocked. They were all confused. Right before we started service, I told Andrew, I texted him a list of names and in a certain order. I said, I want us to prophesy and minister over our leaders. And they were so shocked. They didn't know what was going on. And then to have to sit right up here in a packed house in front of everybody and just have all your business placed on the street like that because God is so nosy. (laughs) And I'm telling you, just by as a witness, because I know all these guys, all of our prophets, they hit it right on the hell. hell. (laughs) They hit hell too. But right on the head. And it was just such an accurate, accurate word for each and every person that was really propelling them. But there were two things that I got away from there that I believe God wants to establish in this house. Everybody say hope Hope. and say honor. Honor. This time I want you to say it with a prophetic unction, with some strength in your chest. Say hope Hope. and say honor. Honor. These are two things that we're going to redeem in this house. Many of us have gotten comfortable in living in hopelessness and we've gotten comfortable in living in dishonor. And I don't mean just dishonoring others, but allowing others to dishonor us. And if we get a criticism, we feel very comfortable. But when we get a compliment, we feel uncomfortable and we flee away from it. But God is, don't yell yet, God is going to do a thing where we are comfortable with honor and we get surprised by dishonor. In this house, we're going to be so good at honor that when someone dishonors, it will mess up the atmosphere and make folks uncomfortable. And I'm not just talking about dishonor towards the pastor because everybody loves the pastor and hates the pews. But I'm, gonna, I'm telling you, we're going to learn how to love folks from the pulpit all the way to the soundboard. And we're not just going to love people that we run well with. We're going to love people who agitate us and get on our nerves. Okay, I lost a few amens. Let me try it one more time. Because there are some people that though we have seven trillion nerves, they managed to get on the last one. Um, but even still, the grace of God is big enough even for them. And just to remind all the self-righteous folks who might have forgotten where you came from before you were a deacon, before you were an elder, you were a mess. And if you can't say amen, you're in bigger trouble than I know. I said you were a mess. But that's how he made a message. You, you were going through testing, and that's how he made a testimony. And how dare we come and turn our nose up at somebody else or, 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 or our fingers up at somebody else because they've messed up or they've offended us. The goal is to get to the place that we're so unoffendable that when somebody dishonors us, we can respond in honor. This is old school teaching, but I was taught that if they slap you, you turn the other cheek. Y'all don't like that one. You slap, they slap you, you cut them off. And you've cut off so many people that you have no one to minister to now. And I believe that God is going to make this this house of honor where you feel good about being complimented. Somebody say yes. The other thing is hope. This has been a word that God has placed on my heart. And this morning, the Lord woke me up to pray and told me to go to my pastor's house, go to my father's house, spiritual father. And so I was in San Francisco this morning, and the Lord spoke to me hope on, on Friday. I was talking with a friend on Saturday who had a dream, and the Lord uh, gave them the word hope. And then Sunday morning, I woke up, and the Lord said hope. And then he said, tell my people not to be comfortable in hopelessness. Not to be comfortable in despair. Many of us have gotten comfortable and we've weaned our strength in the waving of despair. But here's what God wants to do. He wants to teach you how to find hope again. And when we hear the word hope, we think futuristic as if we're hoping for something to come. But can I tell you how the Hebrews would have seen the word hope? That hope was not a futuristic word. That in order to see hope for the future, you had to find hope in your past. What are you talking about? That's why testimonies are so important. That's why when you're going through and you feel discouraged, you got to look back and realize this ain't the first time you wasn't able to pay rent. 
This ain't the first time that you've gone through something. This isn't the first doctor's notice. And if God, don't do that, Dell. If God did it before, why can't he do it again? And this is why the children of Israel, you see time and time again, the, the, the scriptures about remembrance, about remembrance, about remembrance. Some of you need a full band to worship. All I need is a memory. <laughs> some, of, some of you need a song and your favorite worship tune. All I need is just one quick flashback. I never understood why I was growing up and I'd be in the car with my grandmother and I startle easily. And then in the middle of nowhere, she just starts saying, Jesus, 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 Jesus. I didn't really get it until I got real saved and I found myself in Safeway and I stretched back to a memory of where I used to been and who I slept with. Y'all don't like real testimonies. Because y'all think y'all woke up praying in tongues every morning. I woke up next to folks I didn't know their name trying to wash their scent and their sin off of my skin. And all of a sudden, when I thought back where I used to be and how I should have been in hell, I started saying, Jesus, Jesus. I get it now that I find hope for the future because I found it in the past. And if God can do it for me, how dare I look at somebody else who might be in worse condition than I am right now. And I want, I want it to be said in this house that when you're walking through the doors, all you feel is hope. Yeah, yeah. All you get comfortable with is hope. That we're not going sit, to sit down in hopelessness and just despair and all this stuff. Here's what David said. David said, I almost gave up. I almost threw in the towel. I almost wiped it and gave up and threw it out. But this is what David said. He said, I almost despaired, but I saw the Lord. Here's how you're going to find hope. What are you looking at? There's not a ho enough hope in the present tense. And we don't have any idea what's going to happen in the future. But we've got a resume. Hebrews 11. Now faith is the substance of things hoped for. That, you know what proceeds? He starts talking about a great cloud of witnesses. He's not saying that there's a bunch of, if you read the context, it's not a bunch of folks sitting on a cloud, having a group chat, trying to figure out what we're doing. That's not what it was. If you read it, God begins to list off how they survived, how they were sustained, how Noah built an ark for 100-something years, got talked about. They blogged on him, said he was a cult, said he was crazy because he was prophesying something that they had never seen before. And then it says, after listing off all those testimonies, now faith is the substance of hope, things hoped for. We get, and I'm, I promise you, I'm going to shut up. I just need to change this atmosphere for you because you're not going to preach to a Catholic church tonight. I'm going to get them Pentecostal for you. Um, and, and I've heard people say that faith is, is, is kind of a mindset, and we confuse faith and hope. Hope, hope is a, a, a belief, it's a, a thought, a feel. It's, it's that internal thing. What's the difference between faith and hope? Faith is substantive. There's something to it. So you say, man, I hope for breakthrough. That's one thing. But if you say I have faith for financial breakthrough, your faith isn't seen until you tithe. Prove that you have the faith for what you're actually hoping for. Stop looking in the future. What have you seen him do before? What are you believing for him to do again? And put your money where your mouth is. We're not taking a second offering. We will actually for Pastor Rhonda later. <laughs> but I'm saying that so that we can get into this position at Collide City Church. That we believe that when somebody dishonors, even if it makes me uncomfortable, I'm going to correct them. There's a difference between venting. Sometimes we've got to vent. I vent. Don't worry about it. But there's a thin line between venting and gossiping. And we want to get to a place where not just for our pastor, because I know y'all love me, but I need you to love each other. Because I'm not going to preach folks into here and you have, you know, hate, you, you hating them out of the pews. The people, three things that we're going after in this church, at least in this season. We want some anointed worship. And y'all had to deal with me today. I'm sorry. I'm trying to give Matt a break. 
We want some prophetic preaching, but we want intentional community. And it doesn't happen until two things. You find your honor and you start bestowing honor. Showing up when you don't feel like it, that's called honor. It's not just, some of you think you're honoring, you're really flattering. Honor is more than words. It's about showing up when we need you. It's about being there and having somebody's back. If you're with me, say yes. Let's give the Lord a hand clap of praise right there. All right. That's better. I like that. That feel, We're around the Baptist side now. Okay. We got out that Catholic thing. All right. We are a loud church, and so I want you to shout Pastor Rhonda down. I want you to uh, give her all that you've got, and I promise you, you can get more out of the preacher in terms of anointing when you pull on her. So this, just pull on her, right? She is, I won't go through her resume because I preached through my time, uh, but she is so educated. But on top of being incredibly educated, she's incredibly anointed to preach the word. You saw on Friday night, she's got the prophetic word of the Lord, and she was just nailing it. So I don't know what God's going to do. I don't know how he's going to move. Half of our church is here, so we're not worried about the time, and we got your offering, so it's all good. I want you to stand on your feet, put your hands together, and help me uh, welcome Pastor Rhonda Hastings to our pulpit here at Collide City Church. I want you to clap so she comes back and she falls in love with us. Come on. We love you, Pastor Rana. We honor you. And you're free in this house. I want you to do me a favor. Point at Pastor Rhonda with your rude prophetic finger. finger. Just point at her. Say, Pastor Rhonda, you got my stuff. Give it to me. <laughs> you can be seated. Praise God. I am so grateful to be here tonight. I also just want to welcome my friend who came to join me here. Sherry, I'm just grateful to see your beautiful face. Um, I met your pastor a long time ago. He was, what, 13? And I was teaching Bible study classes at his church. And he used to sneak out of the youth class and he would come and sneak into the back of the Bible college class because he was so hungry for the word of God. Tanya, I'm so glad to see you. Thank you for coming tonight. So I remember, I remember one night praying for this young man, 13 years old. And I felt the power of God just leap up inside of me. And I told him, I said, you have a powerful anointing on your life. And he was saying, yeah, yeah, yeah. Like he didn't really believe me. And I went home and I told my husband, I met a young man tonight. That young man has a powerful calling on his life. God is going to use him in great and mighty ways. And I'm seeing that begin to unfold now. And what a pleasure it was when he called me the first time in December. He said, I don't know if you're going to remember me. I said, of course I remember you. I'm never going to forget you, for goodness sakes. So I'm just so grateful to be able to be here and to join with you in ministering tonight. Is it okay if I open with prayer? Is that all right? Father God, we just come to you right now in the name of Jesus Christ, King of kings, Lord of lords, the name that is lifted above all names, our Savior, our Lord, and our friend. And God, we invite you to move through this place. I pray that you will send your Holy Spirit with life-changing power. I pray that you will breathe through this place, oh God, and that you will take this word and cause it to be imparted with a power from on high. I pray that tonight yokes will be broken 
again and that lives will be changed. I pray that you'll change mindsets and beliefs. I pray that you will release a new vision. I pray that you will send hope and joy and peace. I pray that you will touch your people in such a way that they will rise up and be all that you have called them and created them to be. Move among us, we pray in the name of Jesus. Amen. The title of the word that the Lord gave me for the house tonight is called Loosing the Legacy. Loosing the Legacy. Are y'all hearing me? I need an amen already. Okay. Loosing the Legacy. We're going to be looking at Zechariah chapter 2. So we're going to be digging deep in. Oh, they want me to talk about Bible study first. All right. So on we on Thursdays, starting in August, for the four Thursdays in August, we are going to be having a class together called Knowing God as He Desires to be Known. Knowing God as He Desires to be Known is going to be on the names of God. We're going to just we're going to do part one because I'm not going to be able to do everything in four sessions. But we will start, and we'll see how the Lord moves. And if possible, we may add a part two at a later time. But knowing God as he desires to be known, God wants to speak into your heart and your life. He wants to build your faith so that you come to know him in new ways, so that you live differently in light of knowing who God is. Is that all right? Okay. So back to the message. Loosing the legacy is the title of the message tonight coming out of the book of Zechariah chapter 2. And I want to begin just a little bit. I've been given freedom, so pray for me. If you think I'm talking too long, if you think I'm talking too long, pray a little bit longer. Because I do believe God has something he wants to give you tonight. Whenever we talk about prophecy, prophecy comes at multiple levels. And the word tonight, I believe, is going to come at multiple levels. At one level, I believe this word is for the house as a whole. That is for the house as a whole. I also believe, Pastor Dell, that this word is targeted towards you. I think God is going to send it and penetrate and do something new in you. But I also believe that this word is coming for everybody who is here tonight. So it's not so this so this is a, a, a word that has multiple levels. And I'm going to need you to walk with me and grab hold of it because I won't be able to spoon feed it to you, okay? So you're going to have to walk with me and go with me. And so I want to begin by talking about what is legacy. What is legacy? Legacy, a legacy is an inheritance. It's a bequest. It is a birthright. Uh, I need someone to say amen right about now. You need to understand that you have a legacy. A legacy is something that has been passed on from the past down into the future. And a legacy, there's a stewardship issue there. When the legacy is released, I need to hold on to that legacy and I need to steward it well because it's not given to me to exhaust but it's given it to me so that I can transmit it to the next generation. Oh my goodness, I already feel the spirit of the Holy Spirit. So I need someone here in here to understand 
that you are living at this place at this moment in time because God has strategically placed you here. And your calling is to be here and to occupy your space with such faith, with such strength, with such hope, with such righteousness that you shape a future for the coming generation. You are living today, but your eye is on tomorrow. You are living today, but you're standing in faith, believing for what is about to come. So you've got your feet in two places at the same time. Now, the Lord let me know that there was going to be someone in the room who needed to be persuaded that you truly do have a legacy. And so I'm going to begin for just a moment in Ephesians chapter 1, in verse, verse 18, Ephesians 1, 18. And Paul, writing to the church at Ephesus, to these people that he's communicating to them and helping them understand who they are as the people of God, he's ministering to them at the level of their identity. He says, I pray that the eyes of your heart may be enlightened so that you may know what is the hope of his calling. There's that word hope, Pastor Dow. What are the riches of the glory of his inheritance in the saints? And what is the surpassing greatness of his power toward those who believe? So I need someone to say, I have a glorious and a rich inheritance. Can someone say that for me? I have a glorious and a rich inheritance from the Lord. Uh, somebody still doesn't believe me. So I'm going to invite you to turn with me to 1 Peter chapter 1. And I'm going to be reading verse 4 to you. And it's going to describe a little bit more just what your inheritance is. I'll start in verse 3. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who, according to his great mercy, has caused us to be born again to a living hope. Oops, there we are again. A living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead to obtain an inheritance which is imperishable and undefiled and will not fade away reserved in heaven for you. I need you to look at someone else and say, I have a glorious and a rich inheritance. Are you hearing this? Are you hearing this? We, as the saints of God, have an inheritance that's been set aside for us by the Lord God Almighty. It's held in reserve in heaven for us, but we experience it right here and right now, except when the enemy is holding it back and preventing us from stepping into it. And lots of times that's the result of our own limited mindsets and our own negative thinking patterns. Y'all agree with that? Yeah. Amen. Amen. So I want to ask you to turn with me to the book of Zechariah. And I want to give you just a little bit of history behind that because I want to know, I want you to understand who this man was speaking to, because then you will be able to lay hold of this word better. So Zechariah, he was a young prophet, a young prophet. 
he ministered at the exact same period of time that an older prophet named Haggai also ministered. They spoke to the people who returned from captivity in Babylon to Jerusalem. It was around 536 BC that about 50,000 people of God chose to return back home when the pagan king Cyrus released them and for the first time. I'm so sorry. The Lord keeps taking me off on a different direction. For the first time in human history, a people who had been deported and who had been removed from their country, who had been taken into exile for the very first time because of the move of God on the heart of the pagan king allowed them to go back home to their land. Someone in here has been living in captivity. Someone here has been bound and constrained and you believe that you would never be able to go back to receive all that God had for you. But I want you to know that our God specializes in turning situations around and flipping switches. And God, uh, it has a way of moving even on the hearts of pagan kings and rulers and shifting their patterns until they begin to unfold his purposes and plans almost in spite of themselves. So Cyrus allowed the Jews to go back home who wanted to go, and only about 50,000 of them returned. A lot of them chose to stay in captivity. Oh, my goodness. There's another message in that one. Are you choosing to stay in captivity? Where have you located yourself? I'll let you deal with that later. I don't have time if I'm going to give my message tonight. Those who chose to go home returned to the land, and when they got there, they found the land decimated. The walls of the city had been torn down and laid in shambles on the ground. The houses had been devastated. The temple had been utterly destroyed. Not one stone stood upon another. Uh, they got home and the land was, was fallow. It hadn't been planted in 70 years. They found their, their everything they came back to it was poverty and it was barren and it was lost and these people they began they began to work they began to look and for the very first thing that they wanted to do was to restore their worship system they wanted to offer sacrifices they wanted to praise the name of the lord they wanted to rebuild his temple so that they could worship him as they knew that he had asked and so that they could worship him as they knew that he deserved. But as they began to work on that work, the enemies around, oh, you know how that enemy, every time you begin to put things right in your worship life, the enemy begins to rise up and cause some trouble all around you. And then first the enemy tried to intrude and to involve himself in the process. But the Jewish leaders knew that they were in, engaged in a holy endeavor. They were doing something that was sacred, and they were not going to compromise that by partnering with people who were not 
given over to the Lord. So they said, no, thank you. We don't need your help. The enemies didn't like that. They wrote a letter to the Persian king. And the Persian told the Persian king, you can't trust these folks. Every time you turn around, they're going to be rebelling on you. They're going to be called. Go, go back and look in the history records. And so the, the Persian king looked it up and he wrote him a letter and said, you stop it. You cannot build your temple. And they believed him. They believed him. And work on the temple stopped. People shifted their efforts. They began to work on rebuilding their own homes. They began to replant their fields. They began to expand their farms. They began to rebuild a way of life, but they couldn't seem to make any inroads. Every time a little money came their way, it was like it just drained out the holes in the bottom of their pockets, and they lived a poverty-stricken, broken life. Why? Because they had not put God first. They had not put God first. So God sent both Haggai and Zechariah to minister to the people, to call them to a place of repentance, to urge them to give him first place in their life, and to come back and rebuild his house. And as they heard the message of the prophets, the people repented of their sin, and they began to lift up their tools and bring their hands to the plow, and they began to work to rebuild the temple of God. That is the setting for this chapter. This chapter is being written to people who are stepping out in baby faith, beginning to reach for the future, beginning to believe, probably a little bit afraid because they know the enemies are going to cause trouble for them, knowing that, they have re that they're rebelling against the command of the king, but wanting to honor God and hold God in higher place than any message of a pagan king. They, he's writing to people who have been hurting and broken and lost and afraid. Can anybody relate to this? Can anybody relate to this? He's writing to people who didn't know if they were going to make it from one day to the next, that, that didn't know what tomorrow was going to look like, who was just trying to make it through today, trying to make it through. Just one, I could use an amen right about now. So, but the, this message comes as a word of hope. Zechariah had a series of visions, and we're going to look at one of those visions, and we're going to begin to pull it apart. And remember, the title of our message is Loosing the Legacy. Loosing the legacy. They had been living below their privilege because they didn't believe God for who he was. They didn't worship him as he had called them to. They didn't invest into the house of God like it was their obligation to. And they were living below their privilege. They were Their legacy was bound up. God could not release them into all that he had. Okay, I got to tell you one more thing. I want to tell you right now, if you feel as though you are not being blessed by God, it's not because he does not want to bless you. I want you to understand that God wants to bless you. He already has blessings with your name written on them. He already has plans and purposes for you. But God is not going to give you a partial, partial blessing. 
He loves you too much to give you just a little piece of it. He's waiting for you to get in the place you need to be so that he can release the whole thing on you. You will always live in limited legacy as long as you keep refusing to step into the fullness of God's plan for you. Are y'all with me? You're not mad at me yet, right? Okay, so God is not going to give you a partial blessing. We're going to Zechariah chapter 2. I'm going to read verses 1 through 4, and then I'm going to come back and talk about it just a little bit. The prophet says, then I lifted up my eyes and I looked and behold, there was a man with a measuring line in his hand. So I said, where are you going? And he said to me to measure Jerusalem to see how wide it is and how long it is. And behold, the angel who was speaking with me was going out and another angel was coming out um, to meet him and said to him, run. Speak to that young man saying, Jerusalem will be inhabited like a city without walls because of the multitude of men and cattle within it. Okay, y'all with me? So the context here is that the people are wanting to rebuild their walls. And in this vision, Zechariah sees a man with a measuring line coming to measure the boundaries of the city. And that his intention is to establish the, the, those boundaries and those uh, dimensions so that they, the wall can be rebuilt. But God has another plan for them. So I wanted to talk about what walls represented in that society so that we can understand what it represents for us. Walls in that society, first of all, represented identity. Every city of major standing had a wall that surrounded it. It was a, a symbol of status. It was a symbol of power. It defined their geography. This belongs to us. So it has to do with identity. It has to do with self-esteem and worth. It has to do with reputation. So first of all, the wall, uh, it represents identity. It represents security. In that society, the primary defense mechanism they had against enemies that wanted to attack them was their walls. The enemy had to penetrate the wall before they could get to the heart of the city. And then it represented financial stability. Those who lived in a city with walls that surrounded it were people who were financially stable. They were able to provide for the security and the upkeep and the maintenance of those walls. They were able to afford to pay to have those walls connected. And then it has to do with reputation and the reputation of their God. When you look at a wall at a city that is secure, you look at that and you recognize they serve a powerful God. I want you to understand that as individuals, we have issues at the level of our identity. We have issues at the level of our security. We have issues at the level of our financial 
financial stability, and we have issues at the level of our reputation. We are looking to be established. We are looking to have some, some formality, some structure, some, some, something that identifies us, that names us, that, that shows who we are and gives us some sort of credibility. We have all these things in place. But I want you to know that the word of God is saying to you and to I that the legacy that God has for us exceeds anything that we are ever going to be able to construct for ourselves. That no matter how strong we are, how smart we are, how competent we are, how gifted we are, no matter how well we plan, no matter how good it looks, our structures that we come up within our own own reserves and according to our own resources are never going to be able to encompass all that God has for us. Oh my goodness, can you hear what I'm saying? I'm not saying that human structures are bad, but I am saying that we cannot just depend on our own resources and our own thinking and our own ability and our own planning to get where God has for us. Oh, let me try it again. I need somebody to get a little bit excited in this house because God is saying to you, what I have for you is so much bigger than anything that you've imagined. You cannot dream big enough. You cannot dream wild enough to arrive at what I have for you. There's no wall that you are going to be able to build that is going to encompass the fullness of the blessing that I want to bestow upon you. He says I, it's not going to be able to uh, contain the multitude of people and the word for cattle, that's talking about wealth, okay? That's talking about prosperity. That's talking about economics. It's saying, it's saying what I have in store for you is so much bigger than anything that you can imagine. Don't even, don't even get caught up in how good and big the building is that you're going to build, Pastor Dell, because the building that you build is never going to be able to contain the blessing that I am bringing your way. The, the plans that you have been making, they're never going to be able to uh, put all the pieces in place because what I have in mind for you is so much better bigger so much broader it's like the it's the the picture here it says if a city with walls around it but the people are overflowing the walls it's like taking a container and filling it up and then continuing to pour into it until it just overflows on every side it begins to spill out and go down through the causeways because it's just too big the blessing that God has for you is just too big for you to contain. So what the message that the Lord is laying on my heart is that we need to lose that legacy. So the first thing that we have to lose it from is from human structures and limitations. I'm, I'm going to read a series of verses to you 
And they may not make sense at first, but if you give me a little bit of time and you just hang with me, I'm going, I'm going to start pick up in verse 4 again. It says, and he said to him, run, speak to that young man, saying, Jerusalem will be inhabited like a city without walls because of the multitude of men and cattle within it. For I, declares the Lord, will be a wall of fire around her and will be the glory in her midst. Hold there, flee from the land of the north, declares the Lord. For I have dispersed you as the four winds of the heavens, declares the Lord. Ho, Zion, escape you who are living with the daughter of Babylon. For thus says the Lord of hosts, after glory, he has set me against the nations which plundered you. For he who touches you touches the apple of my eye. For behold, I will wave my hand over them so that they will be plunder for their slaves. Then you will know that the Lord of hosts has sent me. So let me walk through here. The first thing that we need to loose our legacy from is from human structure and limitations. That doesn't mean structure is bad. Plan. Yeah, put your plans in place. Uh, make sure your budget is in order. Go ahead and develop uh, your chart of accounts. Go ahead and make sure you have your organizational structure in place, yes. But understand that structure is going to be exceeded and overflowed by the power of Most High God. Human structure is good. That gets us going in the right direction. But don't put your hopes on your structure. Don't put your hopes on what you can see with your eyes or what you can plan with your mind. You need to begin to invest some faith into the Lord God Almighty who has a plan for you that is bigger than you can ever plan for yourself. You need to at some point be willing to set that structure aside. You have to remove the limitations that you imposed on the legacy. You need to stop. Okay, let me try this again. That I've lived. I said, I can never speak in front of people. I'm too scared to speak in front of people. When I had to, when I had to get up and give a just a testimony in, in Bible college, in 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 the in the services, I would shake so badly. If they asked me to read a scripture, I would shake so badly that they couldn't understand the words I was saying. I was terrified to speak in front of people. And for years, I held that limitation on myself until God spoke to me and said, I called you just because you thought you couldn't do it. And every time you speak, every time you minister, I will get the glory because you know you cannot do it in your own strength. I'm saying to you, quit speaking those negative things over yourself. Quit limiting yourself. Quit shutting the door on the plans that God has for your life. Begin to step outside of those boundaries and begin to move into that place that God has for you. Uh, Pastor Dell, you need to quit saying this is a small church. Okay, because that, that's today. But I, I need you, I need you to start looking at tomorrow. And this is a huge church. 
This is a big church. This is a vibrant church. This is a powerful church. This church is going to be world changing. This church is going to change destinies. This church, this church has a powerful and profound calling on it. You got to quit saying you don't have much money because the money is coming. The wealth is coming. God is doing what needs to be done. You need to begin to name yourself today who you know God is going to make you tomorrow. Oh, let me try it again. Uh, it's called living in today, but moving towards tomorrow. I look at who I'm becoming, and I'm not going to name myself anything else than what I'm becoming. I am a powerful prayer warrior. I may not be there yet, but you give me a day or two. Give me just a little bit of time, and I'm going to get to that place because God has called me for more than this. I will not name myself less than what God has destined me to be. So begin to live today to be who you will be tomorrow. Remove the human structures and limitations. When, the, when God begins to move, you need to be able to set that. Oh, okay. I'm going to give you another one. I remember one day I was in service and I heard the word of God say, you need to go down and you need to give an offering of this amount of money. I said, whoo, that's all I got in my bank account, Lord. Uh, you're going to have to be a lot more specific than that because I, I, I'm going to need to know for sure that this is a word from the Lord. And he came back. He said, you need to go give that amount of money. I cried just a little bit while I wrote out the check. And I prayed just a little bit more. And then I got my happy hips up out of the pew. And I walked down, down the aisle. And I dropped that check into the offering basket. I knew I had enough to cover it, but I didn't have much to cover anything else. Uh, what I had in there was enough to get me through the rest of the month. When I got back home, I called up my bank account, began looking at it, and I couldn't believe that it had double the amount that I thought I had. I'm a bookkeeper. I, I'm good at keeping track of numbers, right? I do that. I did that for a living. That's how I survived. But God had made turn things around. God, I have to begin to act in the now as the person that I've been called to be. You need to press beyond. When you hear God calling you to do something, you can't let your limited mindsets prevent you. You need to step out in faith. So the first thing we have to lose it from is from human structures and limitations. The second thing we have to lose it from is human fears and anxieties. I told you the story about these people so that you would understand that they lived for years dominated by the fear of their enemies and by the Persian rulers. They lived dominated by fear, anxious, afraid to step out, afraid to be who they were made to be, afraid to walk out God's call on their lives. They lived in fear, and fear will always prevent you from being able to step into the blessings that God has in store for you. 
God said, they lived like paupers in their own land because they thought that king was so, so powerful. And in this passage, God says, don't you understand? All I've got to do is just wave my hand. All I've got to do is just wave my hand. And that enemy is going to disappear. That same man that has held you bound in fear. If you'll just trust me. If you'll just believe me. If you'll just step into um, the power of Almighty God. I'm going to clear it all out of the way. And you're going to see deliverance. The next thing that we have to deliver it, that we have to lose our legacy from. And someone here is not going to like it. We have to lose our legacy from human ego and ambition. God says, I am the glory in her midst. It's not my name up in lights that matters. My name doesn't help anybody. My name doesn't give any lasting legacy. My name doesn't have any power behind it. As a matter of fact, you use my name, you might find some folks are really mad at me out there. I tend to specialize in making folks unhappy with me. Oh, that's right. That's right. We do this well, don't we? Uh, But our goal is to bring glory to the name of God. Our legacy is not tied up in me, but is tied up in the glory of God. I have to set my ambition aside. When I want what I want more than I want what God wants, we got a problem that's going on. I need to set my ego and my ambition aside so that God can release the legacy that he has destined for me. So now I want to talk about now I get to the fun part. Now I want to talk about what we lose the legacy to attain. What we lose the legacy to attain. Go back with me to verse 4. <clears throat> and said to the man, run, speak to that young man, saying, Jerusalem, collides City Church, Pastor Dale's house. Your house, your legacy is to be uh, inhabited like a city without walls because of the multitude of men and cattle within it. For I, declares the Lord, will be a wall of fire around her and I will be the glory in her midst. We need to unloose the legacy, so that it can um, attain that unlimited power and potential of God. He says you don't need a wall to give you identity. You don't need a wall to give you security. You do not need a wall for financial stability, and you do not need a wall for reputation because I am going to be a wall of fire around you. 
Now, we live in the state of California. Oh, I'm having a good time, even if you all are not. Uh, in the state of California, we are familiar with fires. We understand that fires have almost a living power about them. When a fire gets started, mm -mm, it's hard to put it out. It's not, it's unlimited. It is uncontent. Oh gosh, Father God, please help me say this right because these folks aren't hearing what I'm saying. When God becomes a wall of fire around you, he cannot be contained. He cannot be limited. There's no dimensions that can be imposed upon him. He is bigger, vibrant, powerful. He's filled with fire and excitement. He cannot be contained. We need to lose our legacy to achieve this dimension of unlimited power and potential. A fire is constantly expanding. It keeps growing bigger and bigger and bigger. It keeps going after more and more fuel. Oh, my goodness. If you will begin to praise God like he wants to be praised, if you will begin to give like he's inviting you to give, if you will serve like God is inviting you to serve, you're going to watch that power grow and expand and to reach new dimensions and it's immense. A fire is immense. And it is unstoppable. It is unstoppable. It takes every firefighter in the region to try to bring a wildfire under control. God says, when I begin to move in your behalf, when I show up as a wall of fire around your, your situation, there's nothing there's nothing that can stop what I want to do for you. So we have to lose the legacy to achieve its full scope in terms of power and potential. The next thing we have to do is lose the legacy to attain supernatural glory. We need to stop playing church. We need to begin to worship until the foundation shakes. We need to worship and to praise the name of God until he comes and inhabits our praises. We need to praise until we see the glory of God radiating all around us. We need to praise until we are changed from the inside out and we begin to shine the light of God's radiant beauty and glory. Everywhere we go, we are called to be the light of the world and instead we let the world snuff out our light God is calling us to allow our legacy to expand so that his glory will be seen in us we have to loose the legacy so that it attains a level of audacious confidence audacious confidence are you hearing me? We have to know who we are. We have to know who we are. I'm in a world that is constantly telling me that I'm not enough. Either that or it tells me I'm too much. You're just too much. You're too emotional. You're too caught up. 
you're too this, you're too that, you're too something else, or you're not smart enough, you're not thin enough, you're not pretty enough, you're not young enough, you're not rich enough, you're not educated enough. I live in this world that's constantly telling me what I am not. But I want to tell you right now that I am a daughter of the Most High God. I am cherished by the Lord God Almighty. He has given me a name and he has given me an identity. He has chosen me from the foundation of the world to be his very own. By the way, he's done that for you, too. He is our God. I wear his name like a banner across my, across my, my breastplate of righteousness. I have power from on high. I have a living hope that cannot be contained. I have a faith that is able to move mountains. I have a, I have a, a knowledge and an awareness of who God has called me to be and who he is to me. I know, I know that I am a child of the most high God and that there is nothing that this world can do that can ever take that away from me. I can walk out in victory even when I've got a, a, a pink slip from work, even when I've got a doctor's diagnosis, even when I get a message from the bank that I've got an overdraft going on, I, even when I get a message from PG&E telling me they're about to turn off my power, I am still a child of the Most High God. And the, the, the issues of this world cannot limit my identity. I need to have some confidence. Not only are we children of the Most High God, but it says that we are the apple of his eye. You, my sister, are the apple of God's eye. That means you're his favorite. You are his favorite. I'm his favorite too. But right now, I'll let you be his favorite. You can walk with confidence when you know who you are bless the lord you can walk with confidence and security you can begin to operate from a place of, of boldness and courage because you understand who you are in christ jesus so we need to lose the legacy so that we can attain levels of audacious confidence i, I want you to walk into that store and say, I could have that thing if I wanted it. But God's got better for me than that. I want you to stop moving from a place of, 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 of poverty mindset. I want you to rise up and know that your father owns the cattle on a thousand hills. He, he has everything you need. And when the time is, is right, he will give you exactly what you need to get to that next place. As a matter of fact, some of you are sitting there and you're still living in poverty because you haven't gone to where you need to be for God to release that blessing to you. He's sitting up there. It's like he's tapping his foot saying, I wish they'd hurry up. I wish they'd hurry up and move to that new place that I have for them because I can't give them this blessing until they get there. Y'all with me? Did I make anybody mad? Okay. Just the devil? Okay. Just the devil. All right. All right. The next thing I want to talk about are the steps to loosing the legacy. The steps to loosing the legacy. 
the legacy. I'm going to chapter 2, verse 10. It says, Sing for joy and be glad, O daughter of Zion, for behold, I am coming, and I will dwell in your midst, declares the Lord. <clears throat> if you want to loose that legacy and begin walking in the victory that God has for you, then you need to begin to praise the name of the Lord with every fiber of your being. You need to worship him until your situation changes. You need to praise him until you can't think of a single negative thing to say. You need to take everything within you and begin to worship him and extol him and magnify him. And by the time you quit talking about just how good he is, you won't have a single thing to complain about. You'll be so busy caught up in the goodness of God that you won't be able to doubt his power and his ability that will be released into your life. Sing for joy and be glad. Oh, yes, I know there's a lot of things going wrong in your life. But I'm going to just set that aside for a moment because I got to praise the Lord. I, 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 I'm going to have to come back and, and we'll talk about that later because right now I just need to worship his name and give glory to the name of God most high. You see, he's been so good to me. He has been so, so good to me. He's walked with me through some hard places. He sat with me when I cried myself to sleep at night. He was still there with me when I woke up in the morning feeling sorry for myself. He began to teach me new ways of looking at things. He taught me how to say it's a good thing that I was afflicted because God can use my suffering to accomplish incredible things in my life. He's, he's my God. He's my Savior. My Savior, my friend, my Lord, my Father, my way maker, my peace, my strong tower. He's my healer, my provider. He's my peace and my righteousness. He's my God, my Savior in whom I trust. I want someone to know here that you will never know God as your healer until you've been so sick that no one else could heal you. You won't know God as your provider until you're packed up against the wall and you don't know how you're going to pay that bill and he comes through for you. You won't know God as your peace until you're being in some turmoil that you didn't know how to get out of. You won't know God as your righteousness until you first recognize and identify your sinfulness. Uh, you got to go some places and go through some things in order to know God the way you need to know him. So the first thing is you got to praise him. You got to magnify his name. And the next thing, listen to this. I'm going to repeat it. 
Sing for joy and be glad, O daughter of Zion. For behold, I am coming and I will dwell in your midst, declares the Lord. I got to back up just a minute. So he's saying to them, you got to praise before you see the answer. You don't get to wait for the answer to come and then you start praising him. You need to begin to worship and magnify his name. You need to begin to thank him for what you have not yet received because you know that he is bringing it. You need to praise ahead of time. You need to praise. Oh, my goodness. If you begin to praise the Lord like he wants to be praised, you begin to push some obstacles out of the way. You begin to push some enemies aside. When you begin to praise the Lord, something begins to shift and change in your atmosphere and your environment. Someone needs to save their marriage by praising the Lord and quit complaining about your spouse. Yes, someone needs to begin to praise the Lord until they see financial breakthrough. You got to praise ahead of time. But then it says, behold, I am coming and I will dwell in your midst. Do you hear that? Do you hear that? I'm going to stop just a minute. I need an amen. God said he wants to come and dwell in your midst. What do you do when a guest is coming to your house? Yep, my sister, she nailed it. You start cleaning up. You start cleaning out that room where you've been storing all the junk for the last 20 years. You start putting things in order. You buy a few new things, right? You might even put a little bit of paint on one of those walls. You begin getting your house ready for those guests who are coming because you want it to look nice. You want it to feel good. God says, I am coming. And we need to make room for him. We need to make room for divine dwelling. That's what that honor thing was you were talking about earlier. That was what that honor thing is about. You need to do some things spiritually. There's some stuff that's got to go. You do understand I'm speaking in love, right? I'm not, I'm not fussing at anybody. But there's some stuff that's got to go. You know, there's some new focus that needs to be attained. There's a, some new level of faithfulness. There's a new level of righteousness. There's a, a new hunger of, and thirst for a, a holiness lifestyle so that the righteousness of God can be manifest in your life and you can experience it fully. Um, there, there's some, some things that need to happen. You need to get ready because God is about to. You don't want to get embarrassed, right? When, the, when, when guests come to my house, I don't want them going into certain places, right? There's certain cupboards. Let's put a lock on that because I don't want them opening that cupboard up. That's not true. I'm not telling you the truth. But anyway, you all know what I mean, right? You all know what I'm talking about. Maybe our garage. Our garage is pitiful. But anyway, <laughs> anyway there's a, we, don't, we don't want any of that when God comes. Oh, my goodness. There's some pornography magazines that need to go. There's some relationships with unsaved folks that need to be adjusted. There's some novels somebody's been reading that's not okay. You don't want God showing up there 
and looking in your the, in the drawer beside your bed and seeing that novel, do you? There's some language that needs to change in your home. The way you speak to your wife, the way you speak to your husband, the way you speak to your children needs to change. The way you conduct yourself, the clothes you wear. Oh, yeah, I know you come to church looking cute on Sundays, mm, but you need to change how you're dressed on Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, and especially on Saturday, all right? You need to, there, there's some things that need to get a bit longer and some things that need to get a bit higher. And my brothers, there's some pants that need to get just a little bit looser, all right? There's some things that need to change when you want to make room for the presence of Almighty God, right? There's some things that need to change because God wants to come and inhabit this place. He wants to inhabit your life and your home. Don't you want your home to be so saturated with the spirit of the living God that when anybody walks in that door, they say, ooh, what was that? As a spirit of God, let me introduce you to him. You're going to love him. Don't you, don't you want some things to be different? If we want things to, to lose that language, see, we need, we need to make room for divine inhabitation. The next thing, the next thing is that we need to expand our boundaries. Pastor Dale, you need to expand your boundaries. You're operating in a far too limited way. You have to begin to imagine bigger, wilder, with power and extravagance. Abundance, abundance. God is not a stingy God. He's not holding back on you. I don't know what God, the spirit of God is saying to you right now, but what God has in store for you is phenomenal. It is powerful. You are stepping into it, but I feel like the enemy's trying to come and deceive you and to get you to scale back. Brother, do not scale back. You need to scale up. You need to go bigger. You know, need to go broader. You need to believe for more because God has more for you than you can ever imagine. Your wildest dreams. Your wildest imaginations will not even get close to what God has in store for you. It says in many nations, Pastor Dell, this is for you. Many nations will join themselves to the Lord in that day and will become my people. That's God's plan for you. That's God's plan for Collide City Church. Okay, I'm going to tell you something. You probably didn't have too much trouble finding parking tonight. Don't count on that lasting very long because that's going to change. There's going to come a day when you're going to have to get here at least an hour early if you don't want to have to walk several blocks if you want to find a parking place. God wants to use this church in powerful and mighty ways. 
He says, then I will dwell in your midst and you will know that the Lord of God of hosts has sent me. God says, you need to enlarge the boundaries of your territory. Well, but God, there's not that many folks coming right now. Pastor Dale, you are not living with what you can see today. We, God is saying, there's a huge influx coming. Get ready for it. You need to begin to get ready now. Otherwise, you're not going to have room for the people that I'm sending your way. You're not going to have capacity for the people I'm sending your way. You need to dig into the word now. You need to dig into the word now. Because when God starts sending folks here, he's going to ask you to get up off the seat and to begin to minister. He wants you to get the word now so that when he begins bringing in those who are hurting and lost, that you are going to be able to love them into God's kingdom. You need to step it up now. You need to increase your prayer life now. You need to increase Bible study now. You need to increase your giving now. Now is the time. Okay, I've got, I've got to hurry. I've I got to hurry. The next thing, listen to this, listen to this. And the Lord will possess Judah as his portion in the Holy Land, and he will again choose Jerusalem. You need to understand that you belong to God. He possesses you. You belong to him. I'm going to make it real. If I own a vase, I walk in, I look at that vase, say, ooh, I think that would look pretty on that shelf. I do not ask the vase, where would you like to sit? How much sun do you want? Are you comfortable in that spot? I don't, nope. I pick up the vase and I put it where I want it to be. You need to allow God to possess you to do what he wants with your life. You have been purchased with the price, the precious, the infinitely precious blood of Jesus Christ. You belong to the Lord. His name is written on you. He says that she belongs to me. He belongs to me. I've got a vested interest in her. You better stop messing with her, Satan, because she belongs to me. Do you see that my name has been engraved upon her? Do you see that she's occupying the place that I gave her to occupy? I want to tell you a secret. If I see a, a, a burglar breaking into my neighbor's house, I'm going to pick up the phone. I'm going to call 911, and I'm going to say there's a robbery in progress. If I see a burglar breaking into my house, I'm going to go get a baseball bat because he's messing with my stuff. I want you to understand, you belong to the Lord, and God is, has a vested interest in taking care of you. You need to surrender to him and trust him because he's got great things in store for you. His plans and purposes from the foundation of the world. Finally, finally, verse 13, listen to this. Listen to this. Be silent, all flesh, before the Lord. For he is aroused from his holy habitation. Oh, stop all the talking. Stop all the stuff. 
Stop all the games. God says, I'm moving, I'm moving, I'm moving in powerful ways right here, right now. I'm moving. I've been aroused from my habitation. I'm standing up. I'm coming out against some enemies. I'm moving some stuff out of the way. I'm coming as your divine warrior. I'm coming as your way maker and your provider. Stop it. Stop all the talking. You need to get quiet and you need to hear the Lord because God is moving. God is moving. Are you looking for him? You need to occupy every day looking around. Is he moving here? Is that the Lord showing up there? Is that the voice of God that I heard? God is moving. You need to live with a spirit of expectancy, understanding that at any moment, God can break in. At any moment, God can show up. You need to be ready because God is moving. And sometimes, sometimes you have to turn down the noise of the world so that you can hear the voice of God. God is inviting you to position yourself in new places, to believe in new ways, to begin to speak new words. You need to loose that legacy. You are living below your privilege. You are not a victim. You are not poverty stricken. You are not depleted. You are not exhausted. You are not hungry. You are not lost. You are not broken. You are not diminished. You are not too small. You are not too big. You are not missing anything. God is already moving in you. There's a legacy that belongs to you. Your name is written on it. You need to release it. You need to loose it. You need to get out of the way so that the power of God can flow. And this is a crucial thing because you may not want it for yourself. But bless God, I know your descendants want it. I know you got some children that need a legacy handed on down to them. I know you've got some neighbors that need to know that God has better for them than this. If you don't want it, you still need to loose it because you've got some folks who need it from you.